Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This is the last episode of 2016. As awful as this year has been, what with the fascists and the celebrity deaths, I've had such a great time on the show. I think it became a real coping mechanism for me, honestly. I hope it's been helpful for you, too. This week, I'm sharing my jam and chat with old-time cellist Gordon Arnold. Gordon is super adventurous, which you know I love, but he's also very rooted in tradition. We talk about the oft-forgotten history of the old-time cello and the church bass, and how Gordon gracefully handles the social cost of his instrument in this scene, despite its traditional precedent. But we also send some love and gratitude to the people I often affectionately refer to as old-time curmudgeons. Pastorama gets a shout-out too, which is the most integrated and influential potluck in the old-time community, attended by crusty, moochers, and old-time superstars alike. If you're down with gluten, you got to check out Pastorama next time you're at Clifftop or Rockbridge. It's the perfect tune fuel. Thanks for hosting Pastorama, Tony and March. It's actually a really big deal. <laughs> you know that. Here's my verbal and musical conversation with Gordon Arnold, recorded at the campsite of my former guest, Keith McManus, Mayor of Clifftop. Enjoy. Thank you. 
<laughs> very nice. Very nice. Gordon uh, Arnold. Yeah, that's the Italian waltz. The Italian waltz. Not yeah. not to be confused with the Italian waltz. No, it's not <laughs> it's not the it's the long eye. It's the Italian waltz, definitely. So it's uh, that's from Marvin Gaster, I learned that from two finger style banjo player, Sanford area, North Carolina. Yeah, you're saying he and, got a lot of and, got in a, a lot of criticism for playing two two finger. Well, I always used to say that there's as many ways of playing the banjo as there are people playing it, and sure. there was a large variety of ways of playing the banjo. You know, every holler had a different kind of yeah. emphasis, and and but when the revival occurred, then mm -hmm. it sort of winnowed out a number of styles, which were as legitimate as yeah. Round Peak, for instance, but but were ignored. Uh, and and he, he would have sympathy for me because I'd be playing the cello and he mm -hmm. was playing this two finger style and we would just try to make pretty music together. Yeah. So that's why I learned that waltz and I still I play that waltz at contra dances because it's got the fast running lines yeah. which if the dancers know the tune or have heard it a couple times too then they start twirling quickly during that part of the waltz so it's a nice waltz to do yeah. for the dancers. Do you know who wrote that? You said it's piano music? Yeah, it was 1880s, 70s, 80s, 90s kind no, of piano roll music. No yeah. name on that thing? Well, I don't know. Things like that. Not... Whoever... <laughs> We're not going to get a cease and desist is what you're saying. <laughs> this isn't uh, ASCAP stuff. <laughs> no, and and uh, it's been on a number of recordings. Uh, it was in good company with Greg and Palmer Laux, I think, uh, with Marvin playing it. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's a real pretty tune. It might be on the round. Marvin might have done it on Rounder, but I don't think so. Because he did that. Uncle Henry's favorites on Rounder did Marvin Gaster. So you could look for Uncle Henry's favorites and you'd hear Marvin's two finger style playing yeah. if you wanted to hear it. I like a little two finger style. I don't know how to do it, but I love listening to it. Well, he didn't frail. He didn't, you know, he just did the two finger picking and, and he would do nice uh, accompaniment on the waltzes yeah. like that because that, that was real pretty like that yeah. so so but we don't all just play waltzes we actually <laughs> sometimes kick it up uh, yeah a gear we're know. gonna get hard <laughs> we're gonna get it's gonna get real in, in the next hour uh, so yeah on that note how how did you get into playing old-time music and maybe just Music in general. Were you a classical cellist growing up, or like what happened? Well, I, well, I, I wanted to be a viola player, but uh, you okay? Hold on. You wanted to be a, a viola player? Yeah. So I told my parents no I wanted a viola, you. but but <laughs> in the school district where I was in Connecticut, you could rent a cello, but you had to buy the viola. What? So my parents said, "Now you're going to play the cello." So you know, I was playing the cello, but I picked up the banjo and I heard. You know, old timey kind of revival yeah. in, in the in the '60s, and uh, so I started playing the cello with this kind of music just because I was a cello player. Yeah, and it wasn't until years later I found out that that it was a common instrument prior yeah. to the recording, prior to trucks being able to transport a string bass. Yeah, if you think about it, it's like who else is going to play that role if you don't have a piano, no string bass. 
You got yeah, a little, you you got a little a, base, a little cello. You, and there was, in the, even up in these little hollers like we are right now, I mean, there were trains that would come up here. Yeah. And you could get a cello on a train. In fact, there was... Such give a, me one of them train cellos. Chillers. The working dance bands were playing cellos with only three strings. On purpose? There was so, there was a playing style of dancing, playing playing this kind of music, string band music, with cellos that only required three strings. Do you know which ones? Well, uh, you can hear remnants of it with uh, East Texas Serenaders. Yeah. Because East Texas Serenaders cello has four pegs, but he only puts three strings on the cello. If you look at the pictures, there's only three strings. So we used to kid around that he couldn't afford the fourth string, but actually... <laughs> It was because there was a dance tradition, Panhandle, Texas, all the way through the Appalachians, of playing dance music with a cello providing the bass part, but only three strings. This is going to be a real departure, you know, but that's okay. We're at Clifftop. We don't need to be constantly talking about old-time music. But I, uh, do you know, I'm going to butcher this name, Olivier Messiaen? The composer? French composer? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were just talking about bird music earlier. And one of his whole things is that he he trans he would transcribe bird calls and stuff and, and do compositions around it. But he's most famous for his quartet for the end of time. Mm, I don't mm. know how to say it in French. Have you heard this? I think I have. Yeah. It's, it's like the story goes that he's he's a prisoner of war, um, World War Two, and uh, he is in this POW camp, um, and he begs the guards to get him and his buddies some instruments and he writes this this quartet wow. in prison uh in in the camp uh for cello piano violin and i believe clarinet and the story goes is that uh he could only had access to a three-string cello because not on purpose <laughs> just that's what he had huh. so yeah he you know spent a year in this camp you know writing this thing hey there <laughs> there'll be kids passing through here and there and that's wonderful uh anyway uh they had this huge like concert at this prison at this prisoner uh prison war camp and um like apparently everyone came all the guards came and all the wardens came and uh People were just like, you know, crying and just like, uh, it's a piece, it's like based on revelations and it's like, it's atonal, uh, all this crazy harmony and stuff. But, uh, yeah, all that's to say, that's the thing it reminded me of three, three string cello. And I'm assuming when people play it today, they only play three strings, but there's no surviving tradition of, of three string cello playing that yeah. we don't really know other than some early recordings. So if you go. There's a nice fellow that runs Old Hat Records in in Raleigh that sent me a list of all these bands from the 20s and 30s that had cello players, like yeah. just in the last 20 years. And so then I understood that cello was actually a common instrument yeah. in old time prior to 1930 and that uh, I shouldn't be wondering why it sounds so good with old time music. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess originally there were these instruments in this part of the world called church basses. So, I have not so, heard of that. So in the 17th century, uh, there were church basses because it, if you were church, you couldn't afford a piano. You sure. couldn't afford an organ, certainly. 
and but you needed something to help people be able to sing in tune with each other. Yeah. And so they had instruments that were this size that weren't European carved cellos, but they were th this size and they would play the bass parts, you know, and help people sing in the same tune yeah. with each other Interesting. in this part of the world. So Ooh, they both them. Sun, sun, yeah. So Sunday huh. Sunday they'd be using that for the church, but on Saturday night for the dance they were backing up the fiddlers and the banjo players. You ever seen a church bass? Uh, I've seen pictures, but I, I've never seen one personally, no. I would love, yeah, I've never heard of that. I want to see one. Well, it's just sort of, I had to reassure myself after having so many interesting comments thrown my way over the years. More on that, that's what I want to ask you about next, but let's let's play, play a tune before. So we're in G, aren't we? People get too antsy. Uh, yeah, let's do, um, the pig's foot. What do you call this tune? There's a billion different permutations of this well, title. Well, what what we say is, uh, while you're up, <laughs> while you're up, if you don't mind, <laughs> I'd like you to shove that pig's foot just a little bit further into the fire. You know, if it's not too much of a bother. Perfect. That's the name of this tune. Let's play it. <laughs> uh, do you do you want to start at the same time? You want potatoes? You want me to just start? What do you want? You can you can start, and right. I'll come in. Here it comes.
that's, uh, that's a fun one. Next time I'm in a jam, I'm going to be like, <laughs> that's how I'm going to call it. Hey, uh, while you're up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That's the way to start it. While you're, while you're up. <laughs> so good. Okay, I've nor just for people who want to find this tune, I've normally seen it. Push push that pig's foot a little further into the fire. Shove that pig's foot a little closer into the fire. Some combination of those words. Pig's foot, fire, an imperative command. That's right, an imperative and, command. And pushing. Where a mine is more pleading. With Yours you. is pleading, and I appreciate that. <laughs> more gentle. Well, it's also a little lazy. You know? I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to do it, but I can't be bothered with getting up. But while you're up anyway, you might as well shove that pig's foot a little closer in because it doesn't look like it's cooking enough. Now, here's, here's the thing. I thought that a pig's foot was a tool... Uh, for for moving fire stuff around. And that's, I think, actually the real uh, source of it, not the commonly misunderstanding. It's like a, literally a... Because it's eat pig a iron. Pig. It's pig iron. Yeah, pig iron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's more of a blacksmith or, yeah. or smithing kind of... Well, I'm, uh, I'm bringing a pig's foot tonight to Pastorama. I don't know what you're bringing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I set up my table as part of Tony's Pastorama. Yeah, there you go. Donate your table to the... I did. Bring I your table to the potluck. I did. I brought my table. Oh, man. So stoked for Pastorama. Uh, that happens at, what? Clifftop, Rockbridge, sometimes at Gennaro. Um, That's right. That's right. It's been going Tony for Marge. a number of years. Yeah. It's a bit like stone soup, you know. They bring, yeah. they supply the pasta. And they the really sauce. seed that potluck, though. Yeah, the they, pasta they make and the a sauce. lot of pasta. <laughs> they do, and and then yeah. other people bring whatever they feel like bringing them. All right, so uh, so Bacchanalian feast. So much I want to ask you about. First, social cost of uh, being a cello player in the old time community, even though there's a totally precedented uh, history of it, and then. I want to ask you about your uh, frailing <laughs> cello technique thing that you do, and then I want to talk to you about Clifftop. Let's start. I, so many questions. Let's start with uh, how long you've been coming to Clifftop, and your experience uh, trying to fit into jams and uh, doing yeah, your so thing, developing your sound. Let's say 25 to 30 years ago, somewhere in there, close to 30. We would I would bring them my kids down. They were five, six, seven, five and seven, and, and my wife and I, and we would camp up, and none of this was built down here, it was all this mud, right, and but up, further up, we would, we would camp, and, uh, and there were a group of musicians that were really good that I would play with, but I wasn't welcome in, in sessions, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the kind of comment I'd usually get would be something like, well, damn! I didn't know we invited the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, you know about uh, yeah, making a comment about the the fact that a cello had joined the jam, you know. Yeah. And and there's still people in the community that sort of think, "Hey, this is a bit weird," so that I have to conclude that that's just my cello playing and not uh -huh. <laughs> cellos, cellos in general. Now you are playing what looks to be a an alien spaceship and you do play without a bow a lot so you got some eccentric things going on what what is this cello what is what's going on here well uh so this carbon fiber instrument is space age and that's just to survive you know being in the rain and such and 
Yeah. And then he had people kick it, you know, and trip over <laughs> well, it. Well, they want you to leave their jam. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Kicking> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I played um, Prima Balalaika in a Russian folk orchestra, and it gave me the idea of, oh. of really whacking away at strong strings with your fingers and Wait, not who, worrying about it. Is that a thing in Russian music? Well, you, when you play the ballet like it's such a small okay, instrument, I didn't even you have know to it, like I didn't really know that was whack the hell out of it in order to get any sound out of okay. it. Okay. So, uh, and I was a banjo player already, yeah. so I've been playing banjo now a good 50 years, so uh, um, it just gave me the idea that it was okay to, to pluck along, and then I started getting where I could double the banjo parts. Yeah, yeah. So then the banjo players were grinning. Yeah. Because I was playing along with them and following them. Oh, as a banjo player, it's delightful. You know, cause, <laughs> I love Because you w- wish you had those low notes. I that do. I can could, I could get, get for you. It's like all of a sudden I have an octave pedal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. So, uh, and and uh, now I actually play in contradance. Yeah. Uh, and play the triplets and other stuff that you can do with with jigs, not just playing the reels. And, and yeah, so over the years I've developed more. And there's also a really, you know, if you look at the Mississippi blue con- blues kinds of guitar players. Yeah, and and some of the guitar players here, sure, they do this thing where they've got two fingers doing the melody. Right. It's like the banjo players. They got two fingers doing the melody, and then they got Is it the a other thumb, part. Of, a thumb lead? Yeah, and yeah. then they got the th- other part of the right. hand providing the rhythm. So they're doing both the rhythm part and the melody at the same time. That's like an Africa thing, too, right? Isn't that how African guitar players play a lot? Well, I think it's, you know, it's a common... I mean, it's an entire continent, excuse me. But, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, it, it, it provides uh, the ability to have fun, because you're playing the playing long a melody. melody but but you at the same time, it. you're providing the, the strong slapping kind of bass rhythm that that keeps yeah. the dancers driving along would you would you be willing to just play through that head like one more time and maybe do it a little slower and then maybe just explain how i've never i don't even really know what you're doing i always just i'm closing my eyes and grinning so yeah So you're sort of you are you're doing what you're saying that the guitarists do like you use the two fingers melodically and then just the rest of your fingers sort of are frailing strumming. Or, or strumming along trying Man. to trying to keep the rhythm going. That that's what that's what I'm trying to aim for. I love that. <laughs> it, I it, want I want you to teach the cellist in my band how to how to do that so you can pull that out every once in a while. Well, I don't I mean a lot of um the modern kind of uh scrunching that came out of like the Berkeley School of Music. Uh-huh. And the uh playing the offbeat. Yeah. I mean there was a there was a tradition in Ireland and Scotland of playing the the cello or a second fiddle part would play the offbeat. Yeah. Of course, you know, a lot of this comes from in the 18th century in Scotland. If you look at the the manuscript books that were written and published yeah. in the 18th century, 
I'm talking like 1740 through the end, end of that. There were all sorts of tune books. They had fiddle parts and they had cello parts. Huh. There was no guitar chords or yeah. anything else. It was a fiddle and a cello, and that yeah. was the most common thing for a fiddler was to have a cello because a cello can provide all that bass stuff. Right. You know, it can ground what the fiddler's doing, and then the, the yeah. fiddler's got an ability to play even over the the porta potty truck and the, yeah. the maintenance guys <laughs> come by on occasion. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for thanks for the festival. <laughs> Uh, so, so to me, it was always a natural pairing. Yeah, it does make so much sense. But uh, I recognize that people don't want to like just do anything and destroy the the sense of the music and the heart of the music. And what I always say is that traditional music, or just tradition in general, isn't like a thing that just happened. Yeah, it's got to be before. living. Before, it's got to be your. You got to look in the past and the future at the same time. Well, if you look at the other Celtic traditions right now, you know, in Edinburgh, there's yeah. a lively scene where there's a lot of experimentation going on, yeah. you know, and if you travel through Ireland, the same thing, there's interesting experimentation going on, totally. you know, and, and as long as they can survive the, the influence of country and Western yeah. on all the hammy tunes that yeah. are, are over there now, I think they'll, they'll keep their, uh -huh. their reels and their jigs and the... For me, I'll put up with a lot of hamminess, and I'll still call it traditional. It just it stops being traditional for me once it's like not no longer primarily like how do I say it? If most people aren't doing it for money, you know what I mean? Like this is like a little anarchist paradise that we have in here where we're just playing music all day, you know, and that's what I like like about it. As long as as long as they don't find a way to make old time lucrative, I think it'll survive. <laughs> well, I, I, what I do uh, when I'm back home is I actually play for uh, the older folks. I play for hospice yeah. and for Alzheimer's, dementia wards, etc. That's that's what I'm doing when during the week. And and this kind of music is great because they remember it from their youth. Yeah, they can sing along. Yeah. You know, at, at NC State, I, we did this lifelong learning course, and I had the title of my section of the course was, it's not bluegrass, it's old time. Yeah. <laughs> just to try to explain not just the musical differences, where well, I did explain that, but also the cultural differences, yeah. that it was supposed to be a popular music that everyone could join in yeah. and, and have a good time with together, yeah. yeah, as opposed to shining and showing off and saying look how fast I can do this you know isn't this cool yeah I get emotional talking about it well, <laughs> I just and, like it so much it's so important to me well and, yeah. and especially because we used to bring our kids here for years I mean yeah for 10 years I brought my kids how many kids you got two boys I've seen a picture of a very little person well and when, by a little person I mean a toddler you well, have a toddler I have grandson, a granddaughter granddaughter, a granddaughter. Yeah. but well like just in clifftop yeah. one year Two of these funny guys from Delaware decided to convince my kids to do Olympic scoring of the women as they were walking up and down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, you know, they were like five and six and when people could come, it wasn't just women, but when people would come walking by, they would like whisper, hold this number up and they would hold yeah. numbers up. And 
I mean, that was just, you know, just for fun, you know, because people were walking up and down the hill, you know, and a few people got upset, but it was all just, so that was like when they were five or six. And then when they were 16, like one night I had this drop dead gorgeous woman walk up to me at like two in the morning and say, do you know where your son is? Because I don't know where my daughter is. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... So it was the whole gamut of, you know, life's experience. Gee, I wonder who taught him that. <laughs> yeah, it was my whole, the whole gamut of the life's whole, yeah. experiences with, grow, you know, raising kids. Yeah. But it, it was always such a nice environment. You could just let them wander, and that's what the kids do now. They just yeah. wander around, have a good time. Yeah. They're, they can't get into too much trouble, because there's not much trouble to get into out here. Well, they're probably not going to get arrested. They got to work real hard to get arrested at Clifftop. Well, they, they have a good time, and... and you know, my wife doesn't come anymore because we don't. The, the kids have grown up. And yeah, they don't, yeah, They don't come, and she's done her duty of coming here for <laughs> and camping in the mud. And, but now, you know, at yeah. least I, I'm I'm more outfitted now than just a tent with a. Uh huh. But a lot of folks just come with just bare minimum. Yeah. Stuff. In my first two years, I was just relying on the hospitality of strangers, musically and mooching their food and. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a, a nice young lady that showed up at our jam last year here that didn't have a tent, you know, didn't know where she was going to stay, you know. But she stayed and played uh, tunes with us, and then I, I sort of walked around a bit, and she found her friends, and she, yeah, was, yeah. she was fine, you know, she's uh -huh. going to be taken care of. But just, you know, the draw of the music was such that without any physical support system in place, she was ready to come here and... Yeah. Just play music and have a good time. Totally. Uh, based on time, I think we should skip the rats gone to rest and go straight to C and play, okay. the, play them C tunes. All right. Uh, so, quick tuning break, and then we'll I'll just cut right to us playing C tunes. There were times up here on the hill where a guy brought a hurdy-gurdy that was, like, powered by his truck, you know. <laughs> he wasn't cranking it himself? No, I mean, it was like a, not a hurdy-gurdy, it was like a, a wind organ. And, and about the 10th time he played Never on Sunday with us playing, you know, like joining in with him, we, we told him to shut up. But <laughs> there, there, for a couple of years here, there was no water. If you, if you uh -huh. Maybe 20 years ago. There was no water, like the wells were all dry and, and uh, they had to truck water in. So I, I said, you know, this is like Calcutta. I don't need to be. <laughs> they didn't have enough porta potties. It was really, but in the last ten years, I mean, it's been nothing like that. They've been really clean and nice. It's been right civilized. Yeah, really, and and they've had enough water for everybody. And yeah, there weren't instructions in the toilets about what to do when, and when to flush <laughs> and when not to flush. I mean, it was just like, it's it's great, you know. There's just signs now that just say, go nuts. <laughs> Follow your bliss. <laughs> well, I What is like, your heart telling you? <laughs> I, I think it's funny still there's that cooler checkpoint. Because I used to be, you know, years ago, they used to be more serious about looking for... Right. I heard that like four years ago, there was like a crackdown. This is... People kept ta talking about it. Because I came three years ago. And they were like... Hide your, hide your, hide your drink. Don't drink openly because they're gonna, well, they're gonna was, make you pour it out. They're gonna search your car. There was a crowd that was over here, 
that came up from New Orleans, and they they wouldn't pay at the front. They'd sneak in through the woods, <laughs> and and you know how people have CD release parties that yeah, go yeah. and like drink them dry, and yeah, 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 you know they were like the ultimate moochers, and and I think the crackdown was around that time. Oh, there interesting. Were, there were people that. I mean, it's not that much money to pay, and you, yeah. know, you might as well pay your fair share. And they were sneaking in through the woods and 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 invading, you know, <laughs> the CD release parties. Never buying a CD, but drinking all the booze. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Behaviors which isn't conducive for the kind of friendly atmosphere no, yeah. that we're looking for. And and so that was when there was the crackdown. Interesting. It it, it actually I I welcomed. Right, <laughs> because there were some people that uh, didn't know how to behave. Yeah, in in a com in company <laughs> that were wandering around with higher alcohol contents in their yeah. blood than was justifiable. Yeah, there's partying here, but I never feel worried about anyone. Well, that's it. There's a there's a limit, a cultural limit on on you don't indulge in that way because yeah. a, you couldn't play music. Yeah, you got to be able to play tunes. <laughs> you know. And, I mean, that was one of the major things between a, an old-time community and a bluegrass community. The bluegrassers, right, right. 90% of the people are there to drink, you know, and 10% are there to play. And in old-time, right, right. 90% are there to play and 10% are, are there to drink, you know. And, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that when, when the cops are around, they can help you with drunks that have become belligerent. Yeah, yeah. But, so I always didn't mind them too much. Yeah. But they were... There was a heavy presence there for a couple of years because of that kind of invasion of people that weren't willing to abide by some yeah. simple rules. Lay down that clifftop law. <laughs> uh, let's play uh, Billy in the Low Ground.
That's Billy. That's Billy. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I I don't really know how that tune goes. That's one of those ones that everyone has like. There's like three main versions, and everyone does a different one. And they're well, all really different. The way I look at it, if you're a fiddler that has a name, you know, that yeah. you're known as a fiddler. You got to have your own version for that tune. Yeah, you got to have. Mean, everybody has their own kind of version for that yeah. tune, and they and they make it distinctive by uh -huh. adding the kinds of offbeat kind of yeah. chords like you were doing. And well, that, I got I got to say, I just played that I don't know a few months ago with Brad Kalodner on the podcast, and I ended up doing a lot of the same stuff. I cribbed that from him. Folk process at it at work. <laughs> Thanks, <you> Brad. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I you know I went I went through the trouble to um, learn like a note for note version of the Eck Robertson version, hmm. which is really interesting. No one wants to play it with me. <laughs> well, that's part of the you know if you if you make it too crooked, yeah. There's two problems. One, you can't dance to it. Right. So if you're like me, a, a working musician that yeah. plays for dancing, there's a whole set of tunes that. You don't play much because you can't dance to them. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, if they're too crooked, then it gets fewer and fewer people able to follow along and play with you. And a lot of the fun of this music is the fact that every instrument that is in the traditional kind of fiddle, banjo, guitar, cello, bass, yeah. I mean, they all have a... They, and there's more instruments than that, but they all have an interlocking part so there's rhythmic times when each instrument is the only one that's sounding even yeah. though they're yeah. all together working yes. together and that's some of the most fun is because there's a interlocking pattern that you're yeah. doing with your music and and if you don't play at the right times yeah, you yeah. end up stepping on somebody else's notes although i gotta say so there's this whole thing i'm, I'm sure you've experienced this too as a banjo player but there is banjo etiquette when it's okay to join a jam or not and it's there's it's not hard and fast but typically you want to maintain a reasonable ratio of fiddles to banjos may it's some people it's ideally just one banjo per jam and and there are some banjo players that'll like bite off your arm if you try to yeah. sit down at their jam because they they are strictly you know yeah. there should be only one banjo player i was just talking last night about a a certain a certain old older banjo player who I I came in and sat in on a jam and he uh, he very very politely told me about like a you know medical condition that he had where he wouldn't be able to play if I was next to him something with his ears or something and I was like oh yeah of course sure I don't want to have you do a bad time and then I talked to some other people about it and they're like no that's total BS <laughs> first of all it doesn't make any sense second of all I've seen him play with banjo players all the time Third, that dude's a curmudgeon. <laughs> well, but, there's, it takes all sorts to make the world go around. It uh, does, and we need we the curmudgeons. They they give us a, a special. They they keep the tradition going in their own way. We need people who are super nerdy and wanna and wanna look more back than forward because it helps for the people who. You know, are the opposite. It's nice to be able to hang with both. Well, there's there's uh, theories about music that you, the longer a tune has been played, the more human brains have heard it, etc. The more it resonates with you. And, yeah. 
morphic resonance would be the morphic resonance the scientific name for it so so you know there are people in the world that actually believe that when you play and sing old tunes especially singing together in yeah. a group that spirits of the ancestors that used to sing those tunes yeah come come and and listen in and sing along and then if you're you know sufficiently in tune with everything that's going on you'll hear them singing now i'm gonna now i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight <laughs> i mean i'll speak to uh man uh we got more tunes to play let's do let's do the tennessee let's do let's do a couple just back to back i have a really great time talking with you but i have so many tunes i want to play with you too let's do the tennessee one tennessee right. mountain fox, fox chase. chase yeah um what do you want to bow this one um, I don't know. We didn't try try bowing it. Um, we could just you could just do your thing on it again. Yeah, I could just uh, let's do that. I can if, if I feel like bowing it, I'll I'll stop and we'll I'll switch to the bow. Oh, well, it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> All right. Thank you. 
I realize in the middle of that, I it's like the dogs chasing the fox. You know, when we get into that, you know, it's like that's yeah. what you're trying to sound like is the dogs chasing around, hollering away. Well, that makes me feel better about it. <laughs> I was trying to do a break in the stroke, and it's really hard to really hard to get it just right. Well, but. that's what I always figured you were you were because they would of course hunted with yeah dogs, and the dogs would be hollering and chasing, yeah. and they would make that kind of you know you know that kind yeah. of yeah. Uh, let's uh let's get to D. Let's All play right. let's play some D tunes. Yeah, we're doing great on time. So like, let's let's have uh, this be it, and then we'll have a bonus track of um, five miles from town. Do you say five miles from or two? Uh, either way. All right. <laughs> you don't have a long sentence, like a paragraph version of. <laughs> no, that no, no, you know, the, the pig's foot one is yeah. unusual in that we we spent. One one time, one night playing it, we we kept elaborating more and more things you would add as you. Okay, so if you want to learn how to how to get access to the five miles from town, uh, stick around after the show, and uh, after the recorded uh, interview. And uh, now I'm gonna do the last last tune, which is Avalon Quickstep, Narmer and Smith. All right. But, but, but before we start that, Please. I should at least plug that you can go out on yes. and CD Baby or iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or whatever and look for Babes in the Woods. Babes in the Woods. Because that's the name of the CD with the Snow Hill Strings. So it's... I have that CD. Palmer and Greg Laux. That CD is ultra good. <laughs> and Sue Schumacher. And it's twin fiddling. Yeah. And they're real strong twin fiddlers, so it gives me a lot to work against, yeah. you know. And so on that, I'm playing banjo on about half the tunes and cello on the other half. Right on. So you can hear the what it's nice with the harmonies of the fiddles with a bowed cello. Yeah. Is a, is a sound that just grabs your heart, you know. Cool. Well, I'll, uh, I'll put links and stuff. Um, when I post and uh, on the uh, description of the episode, and people can find it there. Hear yeah, more, give well, more Gordon just, Arnold in your life. So uh, not you to know, mention Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, it's really the featuring yeah. Sue and Palmer on the twin fiddle, and yeah. I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. While that does sound really good, it's nice to get those fiddlers out of the way. <laughs> just get some. <laughs> I li I like this. I want more of this in my life. All right, good. <laughs> All right, so we're have a long quick step. Here it goes. Quickstep. Thanks so much for being on the show. This is delightful. My, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. 
anywhere near Richmond, please go see Gordon's Contradance Band, Rip the Calico, play the New Year's Eve dance. Like and follow them on Facebook for updates, or check out their website, ripthecalico.com. Also, go buy that Babes in the Woods record by Snow Hill Strings. Just Google Snow Hill Strings and their CD Baby is literally the first link. If this episode was particularly delightful to you and you want to hear Gordon and I play another tune, I encourage you to support Get Up in the Cool on Patreon. One of the rewards you can earn is access to the weekly bonus track. This week we play the Clyde Davenport classic Five Miles from Town in about the least classical way possible. I'm not sure Clyde would like it, but I bet you will. (laughs) Kick in a little more and you can download mp3s of all the tunes we play on this show, perfect for those of you wanting to grow your old time playlists. Think about it, if you download six or seven tunes every week, that's like 300 tunes a year, which is like 20 hours of music. I know a lot of you are like, no thanks, but I'm pretty sure a handful of my listeners are totally into that. Think of it like you're signing up for an old-time CSA, except these tunes will never expire. Special thanks to my newest Patreon supporter, Jeremy Haken. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. If you want to be really appreciated like Jeremy, go to CameronDeWitt.com and click on the button that says Patreon. Then select the level at which you want to support the show. By the way, all of the links I mentioned can be found in the episode notes on whatever app you're using or on the Get Up In The Cool Facebook page, which you should like and follow so you can join the online conversation and get updates. I'm not sure of the exact schedule for this little break I'm going to take, but I know I'm going to remix some of the older episodes now that I know what I'm doing and uh, post them again with new intros and outros. I'm also making a best of 2016 CD, so I might do a highlights episode for that. Uh, Either way, I'll be back soon, I promise. See you next year for more Get Up in the Cool.